It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Uh, we are in a battle of ideas, my friends, and we have to make sure that we have our brains around what's going on out there and have conversations about that. So be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. There's all kinds of great information there. Sign up for my emails, and I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Uh, so important that we understand why we believe what we believe. And that is why I am partnering with Dr. Tom Cranowitter, Bethany, and his whole team, plus Jen Hewlin, owner of Water's Edge Winery in Centennial, to bring you Vino and Veritas. We're going to be opening Vino and Veritas Castle Rock at the end of this month. Uh, so be sure and sign up for that. Uh, Dr. Cranowitter is creating a fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers because we need to know why we believe what we believe. We are in a battle. If you saw Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez uh, yesterday or the day before drilling the uh, CEO of Wells Fargo, I realize she knows exactly what she's doing. She is being very well coached, and she realizes that she's in a battle. She's in a battle, in this battle of ideas. And as much as we, we make uh, jest of her, uh, she is so focused. And my friends, we need to get focused on what we, uh, what, what is the American idea, and we need to be communicating and talking with our friends, our family, and our colleagues. So, Vino and Veritas in Centennial, we actually have a few spots there. And how that works is if we have some of uh, our folks that have subscribed for the whole year that we know are not going to be at that particular uh, Vino and Veritas, we can open that up. So there are a few tickets uh, for this particular March meeting. And then if you want to sign up for the complete year, why don't you go to... Uh, Okay, why don't you join um, Vino and Veritas in Castle Rock? So if you want more information, go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim and fill out the form. Again, that is americhicks.com forward slash Kim, fill out the form, and we'll get the information to you so that you can get signed up on that. And just want to say thank you to our presenting sponsors in January. It was Rafe Patton and his whole crew over at Harmony Ridge Construction. Susan Kochevar was our February presenting sponsor. She is the owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater, and she hopes to open at the end of March. And then Heidi Ganahl and her Free to Be Coalition, promoting free speech and diversity of thought, great idea, is our March sponsor. So, again, go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim, fill out the form, and if you'd like to be a presenting sponsor, we would love to have that as well. So, a little inspiration. You know, we are in a battle, so I thought... You know, who is one of the great generals, and that is George S. Patton. And he says, if everybody is thinking alike, then somebody isn't thinking. Producer Steve, if you look at what's going on down there at the State House, all of the Democrats are thinking alike. 
and obviously they're not thinking. We're going to be talking with uh, Tony Galliardi in just a moment. He is the state director for both Colorado and Wyoming for the National Federation of Independent Business. And yesterday, um, it was uh, in the Senate was this family leave bill, and this is another. When you read it, <laughs> it's really got a lot of bad stuff in there. Uh, Patty Kurgan, my good friend, actually went through and did a, a, an analysis on it. So we'll be talking about that. But before we jump into all that serious stuff, let's just have a little levity. And today's funnies. <laughs> a little. <laughs> there were three fathers, and they were in a hospital waiting room waiting for their babies to be born. That was back in the olden days, I guess. And the first nurse comes in and tells the first father, congratulations, you're the father of twins. He says, great, I'm the manager for the Minnesota Twins. The second nurse comes out and tells the second father, congratulations, you're the father of triplets. He says, well, that's cool, I work for 3M. The third father opens the window and jumps out. And the third nurse comes out and says, where's the third father? And one of the other guys says, well, he jumped out the window. And the, the, the nurse asked why. He replied, well, he works for 7-Up. <laughs> so a little levity in the morning before we get into all this serious stuff. We've got on the line with us Tony Galliardi. He is the state director for the National Federation of Independent Business for Colorado and Wyoming. So, Tony, welcome. Uh, let's talk about this uh, this bad boy down at the state house. this um Let's see, it's Senate Bill 19188, the paid family leave. Uh, you're an expert on this. Uh, tell our listeners what's going on with this. Uh, well, first, let me thank you for allowing me uh, to come on your show, Kim. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And to Always get a right pleasure to, to have you, Tony. <laughs> and to get right to it, uh, the family leave bill, uh, the first thing it does is creates a program uh for medical and family leave insurance. Uh, be housed over at the uh, Department of Labor and Employment, and what it will do is provide partial wage replacement benefits to uh, an individual who takes leave from work, for instance, to care for a new child or a family member with a uh, serious health condition. But if you keep reading through the description of who uh, is eligible for the employee to take the leave, what it boils down to is this. I really like you a lot, Kim, so if you get sick, I'm entitled to take leave. Whether there's a, any type of relationship, it just has to be a close relationship. Um, we believe this is bad for business uh, in the sense that um, nobody, you know, nobody's going to say, hey, there shouldn't be paid leave should one of these instances occur. But what we object to, and um, what we object to is a one-size-fits-all government program that mandates what many of our members already do, and that provide paid family leave. But you know what? Our members take the time to work it out with the employee. We don't need government uh, to step in and mandate it. Uh, they assume every business of any type or size can afford to offer the same benefits, for instance, as large companies do, and that's not, not the case. And uh, in our organization, which NFIB is a 76-year-old membership-driven organization, we're representing 325,000 members across the nation. 
Uh, our average member has between five and nine employees. You cannot. It is it is illogical to think that those businesses can provide the same benefit as a Walmart or a Kmart or a Target uh, or a Costco, any of those. And this bill goes as far as to say, regardless if you already have a plan in place, you still will be forced to enroll your employees in the state-run plan. So now you've got two plans. Here's what's going to happen. And this came out in an interview I read um, with one of the uh, local uh, publications in town. I'm just going to use the name Catherine. Catherine's the president of a small engineering and manufacturing company in Centennial. They, she is adamantly in support of this family leave bill. On her own, she says she struggles to provide a paid leave program, which is a problem because she is competing for engineers with larger companies that offer bene- better benefits. Okay. She is looking at the so-called cost savings it would be to her to have this state program. So what she's saying is let's pass Senate Bill 188, establish the family leave program so I can get rid of my benefit. And that is what's going to happen. So if you're working for a company that already has a paid leave program, if 188 passes, regardless of how good and superior your private program is compared to the state program, employers will drop their private programs in the in well, and- the uh, workforce will be forced to adopt the state plan. Well, and first of all, it, it, it's not the role of government to be doing these kinds of programs. It's it's really should be between the employer and the employee. Absolutely. And, um, and when I look at the actual cost here, it starts out as uh, what the employee puts in point three four percent of of their salary, and then the employer matches it. But a couple of things they are calling this a premium, not a tax, so that it gets around Tabor, which I think that that is so disingenuous because <clears throat> Tabor is part of the Colorado Constitution, and just by changing the word, and the Supreme Court in Colorado has supported this, unfortunately. So uh, I think that uh, it goes against the will of the people to say, if you want to tax us, first of all, you have to ask us. But secondly, I find this uh, from what Patty showed me is that the director of the state has sole discretion on, uh, excuse me, going back, the, uh, that uh, they can actually increase that, that cost without, uh, here we go, the premium starts at 0.34% of salary for both the employee and employer for, for a total of 068 However, going forward, starting in 2023, the director can change the premium. So in essence, uh-huh. this could be escalating on payroll. And we talk about trying to make, you know, make things more affordable for the middle class. And when you start chipping away at all these different things that's going on at the Colorado legislature, just think what that's going to do to take home pay for people. Oh, and you're absolutely correct. And how this bill is set up. This legislation is set up as an enterprise. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, This is set up as an enterprise. What that does is that exempts this entire program, such and programs like the hospital provider fee 
and the unemployment trust fund and that and exempts them out from underneath Tabor. And it does have a solvency surcharge that the director could impose if the plan falls below a necessary balance to maintain benefits. Now, NFIB did a comprehensive REMI analysis of this bill. And um, within the next nine years, there'll be a job loss of over 14,000 jobs. Oh, my gosh, Tony. The real gross product in Colorado will be uh, decreased by a cumulative amount of $13.5 billion by 2029. Wow. Hey, Tony, you know what? We um, we got you on just very last minute because this was down at the State House yesterday. Let's get you back on and spend a little bit more time on it. We're just about out of time today because we're going to be talking with Jill Vecchio regarding socialized medicine. But uh, let's get you back on and talk about this because um, I think that we need to delve into it a bit more. And uh, so just I really thank you for coming on this morning, though, to give us a quick synopsis well, thank on what you. happened yesterday. Thank, thank, thank you. This bill will be up again in the Senate Finance Committee probably within the next 10 days. So I encourage everybody to um, keep an eye on it and show up at the Capitol. Okay, well, very good. Tony Galliardi, thank you so much. And uh, we're going to go to break here in just a minute. Before we do that, though, as you all know, I love sports, individuals working hard to do their best to win or to lose. And Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. Uh, I'm getting so excited about March Madness. This Sunday is Selection Sunday. I'm a KU basketball fan, so rock, chalk, Jayhawk. And uh, Hooters is the place to watch all the games. Hooters specials start at $10 for a draft and 10 boneless wings. And uh, Hooters wings can fly when I have the girls over on Wednesday nights. I uh, have Hooters wings delivered right to my front door. And they have these great wings, these new smoked wings. They smoke overnight. They're delicious, half the calories, and the girls love them. So order your Hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, go to HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, We're going to go to break. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. When we come back, Dr. Jill Vecchio, you know her. She read the complete Obamacare bill, and we'll talk about socialized medicine. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and AmeriChick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at AmeriChicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. 
Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect the issues. The latest news, politics, and opinion is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's just have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I will keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, important events. And I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. I am thrilled to have on the line with me right now Dr. Jill Vecchio. Uh, she is an expert on health care. Uh, she's a doc. She's a, a radiologist and one of the few people in America that had actually read the uh, Affordable uh, Care Act, Obamacare. Jill Vecchio, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kim. And it's the Unaffordable Care Act. Just, you know, just to keep things <laughs> just, honest. Just to cl- that's right. We are looking at things for truth. So the Unaffordable <laughs> right. Care Act. And you know because you read the whole thing. That's right. Yep. Okay. Well, Jill, uh, there seems to be a movement, particularly with many of these young progressive activist Democrats, just to point the Democrat Party of today is not the Democrat Party of JFK or your your parents' uh, Democrat Party. It is a radical progressive activist group that wants to control every aspect of our lives. And one of those is socialized medicine, Medicare for all. You know, they, they, they try to wrap it up and put a bow on it. By, by different words, but in essence, what they're talking about is socialized medicine. Right, right. And the, but the Medicare for all, um, people can relate to that because uh, they they it's kind of like Medicare. The government is this black box from which wonderful things can flow, but nobody re, but nobody trusts the government if you ask them. So it's, it's this weird kind of. Uh, double standard dichotomy, uh, where all of a sudden, if, if money comes out of the government, that's a good thing. But um, having to send a check to the government or wanting the government to do something for you or trusting Congress, that doesn't happen. So it's kind of if you, if you tested people's just their common sense about this. They would have to take a step back. Uh, but Medicare uh, was enacted in 1965, and the AMA was initially opposed to it. They said it would it would bankrupt people, would lose control over their health care. Uh, any kind of any form of government controlled health care is not a good thing. Um, but now we have this whole generation of elderly um, that is now so large. When Medicare was enacted, uh, there were there were several, like something like 14 people paying into Medicare for every one person that made it to the age of 65 that could actually use Medicare. So uh, over the years, that's really flipped around. So now it's it's almost on a one to one basis of a little over one person is paying in for somebody that's taking out. And the people, the Medicare patients that are taking out are using two to three times the health care that they have put in, that they've paid into. So Wait. already Medicare isn't working. I mean, from a, from a fiscally, from a financial standpoint, it doesn't work at all. Well, that doesn't really seem fair to me. No, it isn't. And when you when you tell the young people you're paying into this, but you're never going to see it because it's going to be bankrupt long before you ever get there. And then now you want Medicare for all. Now, one of the things that people really need to understand, um, number well, number one, it's a moral argument for them. 
This has nothing to do with reality. It has nothing to do with fiscal responsibility. It has nothing to do with sustainability from a financial standpoint. Those arguments mean nothing to them until, you know, unless they're actually writing a check for it, which none of the none of the millennials are. Um, so they're making this as, as a moral argument because all these other developed countries in the world have some kind of universal health care system and it's working so perfectly everywhere else. Is it but really? they don't want to know that it's not, but it's absolutely not working. Okay, so um, they think it is, but in reality it's not. Right. The only countries that have a sustainable system all have developed a two-tiered system. The two-tiered systems in these other countries are going to consist of a very basic level of health care and then the option for um, other people to spend cash or have private insurance or some other uh, some other avenue to get higher level care or more immediate care because the delay in care is, is a huge problem in all of these places and not having access to high-tech treatments and diagnostic procedures. So like Canada, UK, Japan, they have two-tiered systems. In Japan, for instance, it's really remarkable that primary care doctors in Japan may see between 100 and 150 patients per day. I'm not lying. 100 to 150 patients. Oh, my gosh per day that gives them like three minutes with each patient they write more prescriptions because they don't have time to do all the diagnostic work so and in emergency care in japan is an absolute crisis mode it has been for years uh physicians in the national health care service in britain went on strike 98 percent of them voted to go on strike because they were being so abused we're having to work um going from five days a week to six days a week with no extra pay um taking call i mean essentially the national health service was just abusing their physicians so badly that they just like this is bad for patients patients they had stories about patients um, dying from you know, exhausted physicians and that sort of, I mean it's really bad you so know, well, these it, systems it, don't really work and what you're t- describing now under this Medicare for all socialized medicine is a two-tiered system which becomes the haves and the have-nots which is what happens under socialism or communism and uh, I have a friend who had a cousin in Britain that uh, she had cancer and basically it was determined that she could no, have no more additional care. They just were going to let her die. And she died. And I right. would much rather have my physician and I be making my health care decisions versus the government. But when you get into socialized medicine, what happens is, is that decision making is moved away from the individual and the doctor and it goes to some bureaucrats and politicians. Exactly. And the people who support kind of a universal health care system, Medicare for all, whatever cute little term you want to put on it, the people who support that are fine having the government make decisions for somebody else. <laughs> They're okay with that. But don't tell them what to do. You know, Don't tell me that I can't make this decision. And, in, and the other thing, there are cultural differences. In a lot of these countries, they've had monarchies and you know somebody else telling the majority of people what to do for centuries or millennia. The people people aren't used to 
the system that we have where self-determination and you get to make your own decisions and you're responsible for your own decisions but you have all of this autonomy in how you spend your money and so forth and where your money goes so other countries just don't have that and they never have had that and i've had several people from other countries say you are absolutely right that is a huge part there's a cultural issue in a lot of these countries that they're okay with this they're okay with the government telling them when they can live and when they die when they can't have treatment you want to try telling americans that forget it you know that's not going to go over so big We're we're just not used to it as a culture. Well, boy, there's so many things that I'd like to bite off on this. Um, I'd like to tee up the question, is health care a right? What do you think? I think that's the first question you always have to ask. Do I have time to explain it or do we need to go? You know what? Why don't we go to break and uh, we'll come back. So this is uh, Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks talking with Dr. Jill Vecchio, who was one of the few Americans that actually read the whole affordable or slash unaffordable care act, uh, Obamacare. And we're going to come back. The question on the table is health care a right? We'll be right back. Hey, Jason McBride over at Presidential Wealth Management. You know, one of the things that I have so much passion for is our World War II veterans. In fact, I have this World War II project and have had the great honor to interview over 100 World War II veterans. They were pretty smart guys. Well, they sure were. And, uh, you know, investing can be like a war sometimes. You have Mm -hmm. to have strategy. You have to be ready for the unexpected. Uh, George S. Patton had a very good quote that I think could apply to investing as well. And he said, if everybody is thinking alike, then somebody isn't thinking. And I think that that kind of talks to what you see in the market sometimes is the herd mentality, which tends to happen near the tops when everybody is starting to plow into the same stocks the same investments they're the only everybody's talking about it on uh tv on the cable networks in fact there's been a study that if your company gets featured like on the front of time magazine is the greatest thing ever that's the top i think it happened with amazon back before it crashed in the internet boom enron was called the greatest thing ever right before it fell down and there have been other examples so uh, sometimes if if everything just seems to be going too great uh, and and everyone is talking about a certain investment whether that be gold or a stock or apple or bitcoin maybe everybody's already put their money in there and there's no buying power left to come in and push the price higher so that quote by george Patton: if everybody is thinking alike then somebody isn't thinking that really makes a lot of sense jason mcbride i think it does just on a gut and fundamental level and that's the kind of quotes i like uh, i like them as well so if you would like another set of eyes on your nest egg check out ch- uh, chickspresidential.com that's chickspresidential.com the men and women over at presidential Wealth management can certainly give you another set of eyes and jason mcbride thanks so much we will talk to you tomorrow all right kim have a good show work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice home mortgage alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you the mortgage process can be stressful and as interest rates rise it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 
303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect the issues, news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, Americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. i greatly appreciate it if you would like me on Americhicks and follow me on Twitter, offering you a conservatarian perspective. On the line with me is Dr. Jill Vecchio. She is an expert on health care policy here in America. She actually read the complete Obamacare, the Unaffordable Act, uh, and, and was out there talking to people about what was in it. Nancy Pelosi said, we have to pass it so we could see what is in it. You'd actually read it, Jill. You knew what was in it. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Well, I mean, I found out, and then I had to do a bunch of research to figure out what it all meant. That was the hardest thing. Reading is one thing. Figuring out what it all means, and what's you know, what what the prognosis is for what's going to happen to the healthcare system is a different thing. And that took a lot of time. It did take a lot of time, uh, but you've done a lot of great work, and and you've actually seen that some of the things you were concerned about did happen. Although we've seen President Trump start to kind of pull some of that stuff back, but you weren't surprised when, when, uh, when we saw what happened. No, you know, everything that um, me and, and others predicted um, to be the result of, of Obamacare actually happened, and more. It was, it was really bad. We went to the White House. A, a bunch of physicians met in Washington, D.C. at the White House um, a year and a half ago or something, and uh, kind of told stories about what has transpired since Obamacare was enacted, and, and not even all of it was enacted. I mean, they made like 70-some changes to Obamacare uh, to, to keep the worst things from happening. And in spite of that, I mean, it was, it was, the stories were incredible. about And, and what Obamacare did was change the uninsured from one, one demographic of people to another. That's all it did. It didn't increase. The people that got insured got insured through Medicaid, which is a horrible system to put somebody on. And the people who lost their insurance were people who had insurance and were being responsible people um, before Obamacare. And then they were, they were just on the precipice where when the cost of Obamacare policies went sky high, or insurance policies in general, not necessarily the, the um, you know, Obamacare policies, but the, when insurance premiums went so high, they couldn't afford it, and they had to make a choice not to have insurance. So it's really sad, but that that was a result of Obamacare 
uh, one of the many results of Obamacare. And some of it's being turned around, but not enough. I mean, they're kind of, you know, picking little things, and it's helpful. It's more than what's been done in the past, but it's not nearly enough. And this whole thing comes out, we were talking about a right to health care. Right. So all of this, all of this, Obamacare and everything else is all about, and Obamacare was, in my opinion, some people disagree with me, but in my opinion, it was written specifically to crash the health care system to enter, you know, so that so that now we are having these discussions about Medicare for all and mm-hmm. universal health care. Mm-hmm. So it's done. It's, it's done its uh, job <laughs> in that respect. Yeah, I think it really but, has. You know, Jill, I was uh, talking to a client of mine who uh, they have a, a small business. They're entrepreneurs um, and she is was working on the health care for their family. And it was so complicated that she's like, I think that we just need to have universal health care because we need to keep it simple. And I think it was uh, kind of diabolical. Make this so complicated, crash the system mm-hmm. so that people would would want what what they say is going to be really great. Now, we know in reality what they say and what actually happens are two different things. But what they're trying to sell does sound good when you've got this whole complicated system that's confusing and expensive. And uh, I I hope... And scary. And very scary. I'm scared. And and I'm very concerned about that. So let's talk about this. Is health care a right? How would you answer that? My answer to that... And everybody needs to mentally, you know, embed this in your brain. When somebody says health care is a right, the first thing you say back to them is, what do you mean by that? Because they're going to have a hard time answering you. The the millennia, they can say, number one, do you have a right to pursue health care? Right? Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Do you have a right to pursue health care? Yes, everybody has that. Do you have a right to access to health care? Wow. You're going to be hard-pressed in this country to find somebody who doesn't have access to health care because there's always an emergency room and they're never going to be turned away. Okay, not in our country. So do you have a right to equality in health care? Because equality in health care, like I said earlier, by definition, if you want everybody to be equal, like, this, like, like Ben Shapiro says, there would be no Michael Jordan, right? right. Michael Jordan wouldn't be allowed to, be, to exist because he would be – off the curve he is everybody can't be michael jordan everybody can't have the talents that michael jordan had therefore michael jordan isn't allowed to exist well or or michael jordan can't play basketball right he can't be that he can't play because he's got an unfair advantage okay so everybody everybody has to conform to the lowest possible common denominator in order to achieve equality okay so that's equality in healthcare would mean that everybody has really crappy everybody gets medicaid Okay, which is essentially what Medicare for all would end up being. Then, um, or are you saying that you have a right to free health care? Because if that's what you're saying, you're saying two things. Number one, you're saying that you have a right to reach into Kim Munson's pocket and take her money for something that you need or think you need. Okay, so that's the right to steal. The second thing is you're telling all the health care providers, doctors, nurses, lab techs, you're telling all those people that you have a right to their skills and knowledge. They are obligated to give you what they know and what they have, and which, which is what they have of value. So, um, yeah, um, and that's where you're going to catch them. 
is asking them in turn, what do you mean by a right to health care? Okay, so, so th- this goes to then back to property rights, which is so important to the American idea. And, of course, protecting those private property rights is what's been so amazing to have everyday people be able to thrive and prosper. I mean, certainly America has a lot of rich resources, but there's a lot of other countries that have a lot of rich resources. For example, Venezuela. I remember Venezuela. They have a lot of oil and gas resources, and it was a thriving, thriving place. Um, back in the 70s, and then uh, when socialism came in and started to go after private property rights, that is when Venezuela spiraled down to where it is now, where people are waiting for food. So it's not that America has all these resources. It's the idea to protect private property rights. So when you somebody says that, uh, that, that people have a right to health care, and your first thing is, as you say, ask them what does that mean exactly, but if they are, say, espousing a right to free health care, what you're saying is that they're saying that they have a right to the property, the, the talent or whatever that somebody else has for free. I mean, that, that's right. amazing to me. Right, right. And I don't hear that argument often enough. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off because your, your example of Venezuela was a great example. And this is what happens with socialism. But, and this is what's happened with Medicare and Medicaid, okay? With Medicare, now we have, let's say, let's just take Medicare. So there is a set, there is a set pie of money in Medicare. So people pay into this pot, all this money, and this is just very simplified, and it's not exactly like this because it's actually much less fiscally responsible than (laughs) what Congress has done with that money. But there was a thing called the Medicare Trust Fund, and all that money's now been spent by politicians. But there's, a, there's this Medicare Trust Fund. So all this money gets paid in by all of us that are working and paying our Medicare you know, payroll deductions. So there's this big pot of money, but there's only one pot. So there's one pot of money. And now all these people, and now we've got the baby boomers coming in. So the number of people sticking their hands in that pot and wanting a piece of that pot is increasing and increasing and increasing. This is what happens when you have, and this is, a, this is Medicare is a socialist program, right? Then that's another thing to say, well, we already have. Medicare is a socialist program, so we're already a partially socialist country. Well, and that's the part that's not working, right? The socialized parts of our government are the parts that really don't work well at all, and Medicare is one of them. But people don't realize because we just keep borrowing money to pay Medicare for mm-hmm. Medicare. Okay. Okay, so we've got this one pot. Everybody, the, the number of people pulling out of that pot is increasing. That means that what they get out of that pot is less and less and less and less and less. And somebody has to make that decision. What we've done with Medicare is we have turned health care from an unlimited resource where potentially you have an unlimited number of suppliers of health care to accommodate whatever demand is out there. We have a, we've taken it from a free market to a limited resource. Socialists, socialists thrive on limited resources because it allows them to say, we have this elite group of people who get to pick and choose who gets what. And that's what's happened in Venezuela. Socialism always run by elites, run by a very small number of elites, and they just divvy out to the people whatever they don't want or whatever they think the people should have. 
that's what socialism really does. It's the ultimate hierarchy. It's the ultimate haves and have-nots. And when, and when you turn something into a limited resource, now you have to appoint some elitist to decide who gets that resource. Okay, Jill. Now, baby boomers are getting to the point where, uh, you know, we need new knees or new shoulders or new, uh, you know, variety of new things, uh, new hips. Um, and it's expensive. And, uh, and, I, and you've mentioned many times, and I don't know if we'll have time in the next segment to talk about it, but government has made health care more and more expensive so that they can control it. But so right now I hear the, the wonders of modern medicine. You know, you get a new knee, a new hip, you know, a new shoulder. But it's expensive. And if there's a finite pot of money, somebody at some point in time is going to start to decide who gets the new knees and the new hips and the new shoulders. They already are. Um, my aunt has, Kaiser, uh, has Medicare Advantage through Kaiser in California. And Kaiser, California doesn't have a great reputation. But um, anyway, so through Kaiser in California, she had to wait 18 months for a hip replacement. 18 months. And she's like, well, there's a long list, and, and I'm willing to wait. My, she's a Democrat. So I, I'm willing to wait my turn. She's the old school Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's I'm, I'm willing to wait my turn, and, you know, they, they, it's just going to take that long. By the time she got her hip, she was crippled. By the time she got her hip, she was um, in a walker and a wheelchair going from walking around all the time. And uh, now she's in a walker and a wheelchair. She has permanent back issues, permanent muscle spasm issues, um, you know, muscle wasting. She never fully recovered after she got her hip. That's what that's what's happening already. So, you know, yeah, it's just going to it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And the thing is, you know, when you have a limited resource, you have to decide who doesn't doesn't get it. Well, that's the whole. There are a lot of people who say that. And we're seeing this right now. Right. With uh, with the uh, uh, abortion that it's an infanticide bill in, in New York that's going to allow a baby to actually be born. And if the parents decide that it has some defect or whatever, uh, and they don't want it to live anymore. They're just going to, you know, let it die. Oh, that's cruel. Somewhere. Okay, so so that that's but that's exactly what we're talking about. If you have a limited resource, they're going to decide who gets who gets that resource. So now all of us baby boomers, we better be kind of frightened because mm-hmm. now we've got a whole generation of millennials who have been indoctrinated into the idea of socialism. Socialism thrives on limited resources. They are the ultimate creators of a limited resource. Well, well, you so, know what? Let, let, so now they're going to have to decide whether or not we get whatever care we need when the time comes. <laughs> we're old. Oh boy, that reminds me. My my great aunt said, uh, "Be careful how you teach your children because they'll pick your clothes out when you live in the old folks' home." So, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's go to break. When we come back, talk about trying to make a resource limited. Kamala Harris, running for president, basically has said that she wants to get rid of private insurance. So I want to see what you have to say about that. This is Kim Munson. I'm talking to Dr. Jill Vecchio. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. 
Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect the issues, news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. I'm the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure and like and follow me, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Uh, very pleased to have on the line with me, having a conversation with Dr. Jill Vecchio. You know her. You love her. She is uh, had, has actually read the, read the whole Obamacare Unaffordable Care Act. She was out there explaining to people what was going on. Knowledge is power. Uh, Dr. Jill Vecchio, it is just so great to have this conversation with you. Thank you again for having me on, Kimmy. Okay, well, let's go ahead and talk about Kamala Harris. Uh, she's out there, as many know, if you know, she's running for president. She is the senator, one of the senators from California, the junior senator. And she was uh, out there saying that we're going to have to get rid of private insurance. So if you like your private insurance, you may not be able to keep your private insurance. What do you think about that, Jill? Well, it's kind of the same thing we've been talking about. Socialists love to create limited resources, in my opinion. I'm not sure that they realize what they're doing, but they certainly want to be able to control everything. I've always said there are three kinds of people. There are um, the people who just want to live their lives and kind of, you know, live and let live kind of thing. And, you know, I'll, I'll take care of my stuff. You take care of your stuff. And if you don't if you leave me alone, I'll let you leave you alone. Um, and then there are the people who want to control everybody. And then there are the people who want somebody to make their decisions for them. And the problem is the latter two groups tend to band together. They tend to get along really well. The people who want somebody to tell them what to do and the people who want to tell somebody what to do. And they gang up on the people who just want to be left alone. So it's kind of the, the conservative. Normally they like, they like, they <laughs> like, yeah, they like to have the live, the live and live my life and just leave me alone. They like to have them pay for all the stuff that they want to do. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, but, but the, the whole thing about getting rid of private insurance, and obviously Kamala Harris is um, completely uneducated about how the healthcare system works, as are, and, and, and as I found out through all the speaking engagements, most doctors are unaware, most politicians are unaware, that there are very few people really understand how the whole healthcare system works. I don't understand how every bit of it works by any stretch, but I'll bet there's not a single person who really knows how the whole system works because it's so complicated. Mm -hmm. But the one thing people have to understand is for, say, hospitals and healthcare providers, um, we'll say, we'll say uh, hospital. Hospital has an emergency room, so forth. So hospitals get paid by Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance, and not at all. Okay. So a whole lot of people that go to the emergency room never pay their bills. Hospitals do not go after them. And, uh, you know, it's just unreimbursed care. Then we have Medicare patients. Let's say Medicare patients go to the emergency room. uh, About the, the hospital will break even. And when I say break even, I mean cover their overhead costs. That's not any profit on Medicare. So they break even on Medicare. Well, who's going to stay in business if all you do is break even? Mm -hmm. 
Medicaid, every time a Medicaid patient walks through the door, they are losing money. Every one, every single Medicaid patient costs the hospital money, okay? But we take care of them anyway. Now, the only way a hospital emergency room can stay in business is because of private insurance. Private insurance and maybe and, and cash payment. People actually do pay their bills. Unfortunately, they bear the brunt of stuff because they, they're expected to pay charges rather than that, what the insurance companies reimburse at, which is another issue that I've talked about a lot. But and that definitely needs to be addressed. That's the biggest problem, in my opinion, is, is the, the deceit that goes on in, between insurance and carriers and hospitals and all that. But uh, private insurance reimbursement is more than Medicare, usually by 1.3 to 1.5 times whatever Medicare pays. That's how doctors and uh, imaging centers and hospitals can stay in business, is because of private insurance reimbursement being higher. So the idea that you want to get rid of all private insurance, essentially you're telling every hospital, every healthcare provider, get ready for a 50% cut in pay. Wow. Now, I, so, I'm trying yeah. to... I'm trying to cute. I mean, that's a lot. I'm try, yeah. trying to find uh, a headline because social, socialism tries to make it sound that it's very altruistic and that people will pay, you know, what they can for what they need. But I had seen a headline, Panera Bread had had a restaurant where they said people just could pay what they wanted to or what they felt they should. And that experiment failed. That particular restaurant went out of business. Uh, and uh, so this altruism that uh, Kamala Harris is talking about to get rid of private insurance and that, you know, we'll all just uh, kumbaya together, the health care insurance that people will get will go down significantly. It will be a race to the bottom. Exactly. Well, and, and the thing that they fail to acknowledge is human nature. And they tend to be some of the most biggest abusers of human nature. I mean, you have charity, but, but it's always forced. With them, it's forced charity, right? Everybody is, is forced to give of themselves, is forced to donate, is forced to sacrifice. But not everybody whereas, does. Not everybody does. People, exactly. Human nature says, you know, it, human nature says, get what you can to, you know, take care of yourself. Human nature is take care of yourself, make your world better, and then once your world is better, you can make everybody else's world better if you choose to do that. And a whole bunch of people, especially Americans, a whole bunch of people choose to donate and sacrifice uh, and, and give charitably of their own free will. But usually that's after they've paid their bills, you know, after they've paid their mortgage and their utilities and, and put clothes on their kids back and fed their family. So. Uh, but but socialism is we're not going to wait for you to make the choice to give of yourself. We're going to force you to give of yourself, and we'll tell you where you're going to give, how you're going to give, how much you're going to give, and suck it up. And, and, we- and somebody else is going to make that decision, but nobody's going to tell me. I mean, I always wonder what the kind of middle-class liberals and kind of the lower-class liberals and people who aren't contributing to society that are liberal, claim to be liberals, where do they think they're going to fit into this hierarchy? You know? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, okay. We we have about mm, four minutes. Jill, you know that there are solutions out there. The solution is not government. It's just we have to have the political will and we have to, as citizens, have the will to go for the real solution so that instead of uh, government uh, doing this socializing medicine, which means that there will be a finite pie of health care, that we unleash the creativity and innovation of, of the American idea and then that pie could get bigger and bigger and bigger. What is the solution? Let me let me make one more point just so the, okay. the listeners understand. I would love to have insurance, private insurance companies out of the decision-making process, out of the reimbursement process for health care as much as possible. They should only be there for catastrophic, high-ticket items. That's it. I think we can have a much better system if we allow people and uh, practitioners to use a free market approach, um, which we've talked about on several occasions. The bottom line is you can have insurance companies be involved. You can have people and their providers making most of the decisions, or you can have government making the decisions. So that's really kind of the choice. Okay. I think I'd rather have people and the providers making the decision but that will require some different legislation regarding the insurance companies. But do you really want the government making these choices for you? Well, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I don't think so, because government just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But they, they don't have to have results. Uh, and that is uh, what what we'll see ultimately is, is Jill, I hate, to, I hate to say it, but ultimately, if government starts to make these decisions, they may say, you know, Grandma, you're at a certain age, and we figure you only have a few more years left, so we have a finite pie on this surgery or this medication, and you're not going to get it. I mean, we're not that, that far. Obamacare. That was that's compared to the effectiveness. That was already in the Obamacare law, and I think it was. In the, I think it started in the stimulus package in 2009. The stimulus bill had comparative effectiveness in it. That's where it started. So we've already had that in place. Well, surprise, surprise, folks. We've already we've already taken that big step. Okay. well, we we and I believe we can walk this back, Dr. Jill Vecchio. Uh, Dr. Jill, thank you so much. Uh, Your final thoughts. Um, You know, engage in a conversation with someone who thinks that Medicare for all is a good thing. You need to engage them and have the discussion, because otherwise, the majority of people who are first presented with, do you think Medicare for all is a good plan? Something like 60 or 70 percent of people polled, I think, last week or the week before, thought it was an okay idea. The devil's in the details. And without the proper education, people were, were in charge or are in support of Amendment 69 in Colorado, the Universal Health Care for Colorado, until we started educating them. By the time the vote came and we had busted our little hineys to educate people and have debates around, around the state, it went down 80-20. So we are at the 70% in favor of Mark, like we were with Amendment 69. We need to educate people, engage people, have the conversations, talk about the realities of this before people have a chance to vote next. Okay. Well said, Dr. Jill Vecchio. Thank you so much. And Ronald Reagan said, 
Medicare will usher in federal programs that will invade every area of freedom as we have known it in this country. And that is totally true. So uh, this is Kim Munson signing off today. Read great books. Think good thoughts. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. God bless you and God bless America.